0: I love that we're in the Gospel of Mark when, uh, when Cliff asked me to preach yesterday, I was like, oh man, he's like, we're in the Gospel of Mark. And so, uh, Mark's Gospel, you know, all throughout Mark's Gospel, it's just immediately, immediately Jesus did this, immediately Jesus did that, immediately he went to this town, right? You know, so it's just, it's just the facts. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like a newspaper. You know, a newspaper just gives you the facts, right? Well, sometimes they embellish a little bit, right? <laughs> Newspapers, but Mark is all about just giving the facts. And so we've seen Jesus, right? We've seen Jesus heal the lame, right? So far, right? I don't know if you guys have seen, if you guys talked about that, but remember the guy is lowered through the the roof, right? Jesus peeled or they peeled back the roof. Jesus is teaching in the house and all of a sudden it's just like, right? He comes down, levels right in front of him. I don't know about you, but that'd be hard. Like if you're teaching a bunch of people and all of a sudden somebody's lowering somebody down in front of you, right? And Jesus looks at him and says, Hey, your sins are forgiven, Right now, get up and walk. That's amazing. Right? We've seen him heal on the, on the Sabbath, which made all the Pharisees and teachers of the law go crazy. Right? We've seen him calm the storm, which is what Greg talked about last week. And listen, this next section is just crazy. Um, and it has to do really with the reality of, That there is a real enemy, right, that seeks to destroy our life, right? So let's pray because we need to. I need it. (laughs) I need it desperately. And, uh, just, we just need God to speak to us. Amen. The Bible says the word of God is living and active sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates into divine joint marrow, soul, and spirit. It judges the attitudes and thoughts of our hearts. And I don't know about you, but there are times when I read the word that God just says things to me, and I leave going, oh, man. Like, you know, there's times where God says stuff to you in the moment of reading his word, right? There's things, there's times he says stuff to us, and then he reveals things to us, and we go, oh, I didn't even know that was in there. Right? Like, that's gross. I don't like it. I don't want it, right? And so hopefully... That happens this morning, right? We walk out here encouraged, mutually encouraged, but also challenged, right? Because we walk out, listen, we, this is what we do as a church, man. We come into buildings like this all the time. We listen to someone say some stuff, right? And then we go, we eat, or we go do it and we walk away and we totally forget everything they said. Do you know how frustrating that is for preachers? (laughs) It's very frustrating, because we, we, we labor over this, we labor over the words so that we can give you something to walk away with to go, man, I need that for my week, right? Hmm. So let's pray. Because we need it. And we need God to speak. So I pray, I pray, Daddy God. And I know that sounds really weird to some of you. But my dad left when I was 14 years old. And I had a major hang up with that word. And the Bible says that he's Abba. And when you look at that word, it actually means daddy. It's an intimate word for God. Right? And as I started using that word in my prayers, my wife, whose dad left when she was two. She goes, I don't know why when you pray daddy, God, that it affects my soul so much. And I'm like, that's because you had a dad who was really jacked up, but now you have a heavenly dad who's not. And he's wanting to heal that part of you. So you may have a hang up with it, but as I did, I challenge you to engage with me as we pray. Daddy God, we pray. Lord, and we thank you for rescuing us. Lord God, we thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. And Lord, we just pray that as we engage your word this morning, Lord God, would you speak to us, Lord? We know that you are the one who breathes stars out of your mouth, Lord God, that you are the one who created everything, Lord Jesus, and everything belongs to you. And Lord God, I don't know what everyone in here is dealing with this morning, but Lord, you do. And so, Lord, as we engage with this crazy encounter that, Lord Jesus, you had, may we walk away from here, Lord God. Just encouraged to live out our faith in a world that's in desperate need of you. Um, Lord Jesus, have your way. Have your way. Your will be done. Your kingdom come, Lord. For we ask it all to your glory, King Jesus. Amen. All right, so let's get into it, right? Because we we got we don't have a lot of time, so let's get into it. Here we go. So they they came to the other side of the sea of the country, uh, of, the country of, of the Gerasenes. Now, now, th- remember, Jesus, this, this is right after the storm, right? So this is after right after the storm, this is after he calms the storm, this is right after that. So they they're, they get to land, and this is what happens. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. So they're chaining, they're chaining the guy up, and he's breaking through this. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart. That's crazy. And he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and, and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. Let's stop there for a second. So have, you guys ever hear a Casadega? Okay, so I live really close to Casadega. Like, I live in Orange City, which is only about like 10, 15 minutes from there. And uh, I have a friend of mine who has the only church in Casadega. So Casadega pleaded with the, with, the, with the county not to let them have a church in Casadega. Can you believe this? So I had friends who were going there to preach the gospel. And one lady, as they were going to preach the gospel, this one lady looked at one of them and said, I know who you are, Timothy King. He had never met the woman in his life. Listen, this is real stuff. Like we tend to think like that doesn't happen today. No way with, I mean, Jesus gets off the boat and immediately he's met by this crazy person who's demon possessed. Right. And we go, I mean, look, look at all, look at what's going on in our world, man. We don't think that demons are behind that. Come on. Right. Right. So he gave them permission. Listen, up to this point, Jesus is king over and creator over the ailments, right? We see that when he heals the lame, right? So we know he can fix physical problems, right? He can, he can do anything with that. We've seen him calm the storm. So he's, he's, he's over all things that are in the created world, right? And then we see him do this and look, this is a legion of demons, So thousands of demons, right, are in this man. And they're begging Jesus, one Jesus. Come on. Don't torment us before our time. Don't, please, send us in the pigs, right? So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd numbering about 2000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea the herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country like let's face it though if you own these many, that many pigs and they all drown themselves you'd be a little upset um you know what I'm saying? like that's my livelihood man like you know um and people came to see what it was that had happened and they came to Jesus and saw the demon possessed man The one who had had the legion sitting there clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and and began to proclaim in the Decapolis. So that's like the 10 cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Listen, we, it's kind of weird that like Jesus, right? takes the demons out and the first thing they say to Jesus is to leave because they are afraid like this is a man that you bound with chains no one could bind him up no one could like no one could stop this man right he's he's howling out at night in the in the mountains he's crying out right so no one could subdue him but Jesus comes along and just with words takes care of the whole problem You would have to be looking at this man going, listen, I don't know. I don't know who you are or what you just did, but I'm so frightened about who you are that you just need to get out of here. Like we read these things about Jesus and we pass over them as if it's like normal. This is not normal. I like, I don't go to the grocery store and i don't have some homeboy come up to me and say, I'm Legion for we are many. Right? Like if this is not happening in my life, you know what I mean? But we read past these things and we're not amazed by them. We're not amazed by them. When Jesus looks at a man who's lame and he gets up and walks, we should be amazed by that. But in the church, we've become so common. It's become so common. We read these these encounters and they become so common to us that we're not amazed anymore by Jesus. And we start to say things like, well, he did that then. Hmm. Are we anything, are we anything like this demon possessed man? Now, wait. Obviously, there's a resounding no in this room, right? No one, as I've been preaching, has come running up to me going, I'm a, <laughs> you know, like, you know uh, for one thing, I don't think any of us would know how to deal with that, but <laughs> we'd all kind of be like, what's going on? Anyways, um, but are we, listen, sin brings death. And how often, Am I hanging out with death? Like, look at where this man was. Where was he? When Jesus found him, he was hanging out among the tombs. When Jesus found you, you were hanging out with death. Death was where you lived. The Bible says you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Right? And our culture is obsessed with death. Right? I mean, you have not, you have, you have, uh, what's that show with all the zombies? Um. Huh? The Walking Dead. Everyone knows it. Yeah, so The Walking Dead, right? Um, like, we're obsessed with, like, these dead things that eat living things. That's weird. Yeah, yeah. Like, why are we into that? You know, it's because we, we're we upset because we're dead. Or we were dead. And it's interesting how the dead always has to feed on the living. That's a whole other sermon for another time. Anyway. <laughs> You're dead in your transgressions and sins, right? The Bible says that you once were in step with the devil, right? That you were following his ways. Like you, we're more in common with this man than we realize. But one day Jesus showed up in our story. Okay, what about our culture? Is our culture anything like this, demon possessed man? Now we're all like, "Heck yeah, look at it!" <laughs> like, I mean, right? But listen, they—they—they they, they our culture is obsessed with death. They mutilate themselves. Hello, remember he was—he da- was cutting himself with the rocks, right? I mean, and listen, we—we we know it. Look, we've all seen maybe possibly some people screaming at other people just because they have a different ideology or view, right? Like we're—we're—they're there. They are not in their right mind. When you start having a culture saying that men can become women and women can become men, they've left reason. And it's demonic. They need Jesus, but they push him away. They need Jesus, but they push him away. The enemy, the enemy always brings disorder, brokenness, death, and confusion, right? John ten ten. the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy our joy, our hope, our peace, right? But Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. So the thief, the Satan always does that. His main objective is to destroy you. Why? Because God loves you, because God came to redeem you, because God desires you to know him, right? And he hates God so much that he will do anything to get you away from him. Only Jesus, only Jesus can restore what sin and Satan has destroyed in our life, right? Only Jesus can restore what sin and Satan has destroyed in our life. Only he can do that. Only Jesus can free us from the things that truly take us captive. Right, only Jesus can do that. Remember but the, the problem is that you and I try to do those things in our own ability. We go to self-help books. We go to you know what I'm saying. Like we we look everywhere, but right here, like somehow we we've deceived ourselves in thinking that that this has no answers for us anymore. It's old hat. It's it's not what it, 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 it it's not what it used to be. Like that works for my my grandparents and like their parents, but we're in the twenty we're in the twenty first century, right? And so things have you know we've evolved we. We've come a long way. Right? We no longer leave these words. It's like, man, everything in the why would you turn anywhere else? Jesus said this. He said, or Peter, remember when Jesus said, Whoever does not eat my flesh and drink of my blood has no part with me? And all the crowd left? Remember that? And Jesus looks at the disciples and says, are you going to lead me too? And they say, where where else could we go? Like, you alone have the words of eternal life. But man, we point people in every other direction. We're like, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Have you tried that? Have you tried this? I mean, like, <laughs> only Jesus, man, only Jesus, only Jesus can free us from the things that truly take us captive. Only he can do that. You have friends who are captive. They're captive. They're in chains. Listen, when you come into this church on Sunday or on Saturday, right? When you come into this building, you see people who don't look like you. If you start to judge them for the way they look, for the way they seem to be acting, shame on you. How dare you do that? That is someone for whom Christ died. They may not be wearing what I want them to wear. They may not look the way I would like them to look. But you were jacked up too. You know what I'm saying? There were people, listen, when you were younger, some of you in this room, when you were younger, there were older people looking at you going, I can't believe they're wearing that. And you probably swore to yourself, I'll never do that. And then, then we get to where we are today, and you're like, "Okay, I know I said that." You know, I want to leave you this thought: our testimony is meant to be a sign to a broken world that Jesus can change anyone. Look at what happens to the demon-possessed man. He immediately asked Jesus, "Can I go with you?" Which, come on, (laughs) like, you know, it's like you just went from death to life, from the tombs to real life. And you're looking at Jesus going, hey, man, you did it. I want to go with you. And Jesus looks at him and goes, hey, man, I want you to stay here, but I want you to tell everyone what I've done for you. Now, they kicked him out in the Decapolis, the ten cities. They kicked Jesus out. Remember, they're like, we don't want you here. Leave. But when he comes back, he is met with just crowds of people knowing that he can do something and you know why it's all because homeboy right here who had a whole bunch of demons got got free from that and went into the decapolis the 10 cities and told everyone what jesus had done so when you look at when when someone comes into this building when someone comes to this church and they don't look the way the problem is sometimes we forget how much how much we needed jesus And so we look at other people and we think that somehow we've done this to ourselves. We get to a place, when Jesus saves us, sometimes we get to a place where we go, well, this is how, look how good I am. Look how great I am. Right? Instead of going, no, Jesus did this. Look, there's nothing good in you and me. There's nothing good in you and me. Like, real, if you think there's something good in you, you're sadly mistaken. Well, that's the only thing that's good, right? Paul said, there's nothing good in me that isn't my sinful nature, right? Christ alone is what's good and in me, right? What did Paul say in Galatians 2.20? I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He's going, it's no longer I'm who living, but Christ who's living in me. Anything good in me is him, Right? I know who, and this is how we have, look, this is how we have to live. This is how we have to look at it. When people, when we come across people in the hallways out here, when we, we have to remember who we were. Because there is a world, listen, there's a world out there that doesn't need your judgment, but needs your Jesus. But they're constantly looking at us going, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. If it means that. Now, look, in some ways, they don't want anything to do with Jesus, and it means good things, right? So, but let's not give them a reason to not want Jesus. I'll share one story with you. We are in downtown Deland. Everybody know where that's at? So it's a lot of fun, right? There's some good stuff down there. Um, Boston coffee is probably one of my favorite places in the world. Anyways, um, so we're in down, I'm in downtown DeLand, and we used to run this Christian coffee house. It was awesome. Anyways, um, and we, had this, we, we ended up having this Bible study with like 50 kids, students in it from college. It was great. Anyways, because Stetson's like right there. But we were, we we're me, my friend Lewis, and another friend of mine named Aaron were, were out, in this, out in the community, out in the downtown area sharing the gospel with people. And we came across this guy named Mike. He went by Huckleberry. I have no idea why but he had he had a pop bandana on and i was like well obviously you smoke weed anyways um but but uh so so we're hanging out with mike we're sharing the gospel with him right sharing the gospel with him and and he goes hey my favorite band is playing downtown on saturday why don't you guys come now listen when I came to Christ, I made a pretty clean break from any kind of secular music just because I was kind of in that world and I just needed a clean break from it. And so he's telling us about these like hardcore rock metal bands where they're like mosh pitting and stuff like that. And I'm going, not really my scene. You know what I mean? <laughs> not, not where I want to go. But but, um, but he's like, hey, why don't you come? So we we told him, yes, me and my friend Lewis, like, hey, we will be there, man. You want us there, we're there, right? So we 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 show up there on Saturday night. We're sitting, we're in the car outside the bar, because it's a bar, right? Which, hello, another thing that, like, if anyone saw us going in there as Christians, they might be like, what are they doing, you know? Anyway, <laughs> why is Aaron going into it? Anyway, um, so my friend Lewis looks at me and goes, we can't go in there. We can't go in because he's got, he's got all the judgment happening, right? All the things in, he's got all that going on, right? And listen, the Decapolis, you know, th- these 10 cities was not necessarily a place where Jewish people necessarily wanted to hang out. You know what I mean? you picking up what I'm putting down. All right. So we go into this bar and I see, I see Mike sitting at this booth out in the corner. So I'm like, oh, and we brought a Bible. I had a Jesus freak shirt on. Like on the back, it just said Jesus freak. It was like this rich. It was awesome. Anyway, so I go in there with my Jesus freak shirt on, right? And I have this Bible in my hand and I see Mike. And so I go over to Mike. I said, hey, Mike, how's it going, right? And he looks at me with like this confused look on his face. And I was like, it's it's me, Aaron. And he said something to me I will never forget. He said, I knew it was you. I just didn't think you'd show up. And it hit me so hard because I thought, and right then, man, you know, God just drops things in your mailbox sometimes. Like he just drops it right here and you're just like, I needed that Lord, you know? So like I'm sitting there and he said, he's, uh, he, God just says to me that moment, he's like, here's a, here's a man who thought you were only willing to talk to him as long as he was in your context. And you know what happened? He got saved. Yeah. Yeah. Because we were willing to go where he was, I'm sure the disciples, when this man comes running out the tombs, I'm sure they're thinking a few things. One, Peter's probably like, Haya, you know, like, you know, because you know Peter can be a little aggressive, um, cuts off a man's ear, you know, um, <laughs> that's a little harsh, um, but, but um, you know, so he probably is a little aggressive. You know, this guy comes running out, and the first thing the guy does, the first things that demons do when they see Jesus, is bow the knee. We live in a dark world who's in, desperately need, in desperate need of our Jesus, right? Our story, your story, listen, your testimony, your testimony is a word to the world, a sign to the world that Jesus can change anyone. I'll leave you this. Paul said this about himself. He said, uh, "The grace of God which, the grace of God was shown to him so that he, being the chief of sinners, that the world would look at him and go, if God can save him, he can save me. Your life is the same. Let's pray. Daddy God, I don't know what... Everyone here needed to hear, but Lord, I'm just trusting that you um, that you spoke this morning, Lord God. Lord, we need you. Lord, help us to rest in you, Lord God. Help us to be the people you created us to be. Lord God, help us to love people the way you love. Help us to be a light. And help us never to forget that we were lost in the tombs of this world. That we were crying out. And that you heard our cry. And you brought us out of the pit, Lord God. And so, Lord, we just pray that we would see other people as captive to their sin, captive to death but that you alone can step into their story, rescue them and make them amazing, awesome children of God. May we see what you see, Lord, that when you look at people, you don't see the brokenness, you see the healing. That when you look at people, you don't see them lost, but you see them found. That when you look at people, you don't see sinners, but you see those who could be made righteous. we just pray that we would see people the same way. For the world is getting crazy, Lord. We assess ask all this to your glory, King Jesus.